Welcome to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. On this episode, we're going to look back on week 12 in the CFL and talk to Dave Campbell of 630 Chad because the Elks won a home game. Holy smokes. That's all coming up on the podcast. You know how we start our shows on Mondays, or if there's a long weekend on Tuesday. We have to look back at the week that was. And we've arrived at Labor Day week, yes. One of the marquee weeks of CFL action. But we have to wait five days before football. There's no games until Saturday. Which is BC versus Montreal. But then we get rivalry games. Because BC and Montreal just don't have rivals. Someone's... Someone's got to play, right? So they get it. And Ottawa gets to take the weekend off because they do not have a rival either because they're brand new. But before we can look ahead, we have to look back, yes, at Week 12, which we do right now in the Week 12 Recap. Let's start in Winnipeg Thursday night where the Bombers hosted the Alouettes, the first matchup in three weeks in the CFL between two teams with winning records. And hey, look, it's Zach Kolaris. He's back after missing seven quarters of action, and he just threw a pick six on the first play. That's not great. And then Sergio Castillo misses a field goal from 52 yards. That's also not great. But on their fourth drive, Winnipeg finally sorts it out, capping it off with a Kolaris rollout. Is he going to run it in? No, he's going to pass it to Dalton Schoen for the score, and we're tied at 7 after 1. Montreal takes a 10-7 lead in the second before the Bombers march right back down the field in three plays. 45 yards to Nick Dembski, 3-yard Brady Oliveira rush, then Kolaris to Schoen again, and it's 14-10, and they should be off and running. And then Kolaris throws another pick deep in Montreal territory, but at least they still have the lead, and now it's gone. Another pick six? 17-14 Montreal, what on earth is happening here? But the Bombers seem to really just be playing against themselves in this one. A 40-yard bomb to Kenny Lawler leads to a 26-yard touchdown run for Oliveira. It's 2017 at the half for Winnipeg, and Montreal just has nothing on offense. Cody Fajardo picked early in the third, leading to the patented backup quarterback one-yard touchdown plunge from Dakota Prukop. Fajardo then just misses a snap. It leads to a field goal. There's a turnover on downs thanks to a drop deep ball. Lawler hauls in a touchdown. It's 37-17 after three. 47-17, the final for Winnipeg. They spotted Montreal two touchdowns and still won by 30. They might be good. Let's go to Toronto, where the Argos look to exact some revenge on the Stamps for the one loss they've suffered so far this year. Toronto looks good to start. They drive quickly into the red zone, and then Chad Kelly's picked in the end zone. Later in the quarter, he throws to the correct team, hitting Andrew Harris for the opening score. 7-zip in the second, now 14-0 thanks to a Kelly sneak, and we are heading towards a blowout right. Nope, all hell breaks loose. Jake Mayer seems to realize suddenly he can throw the ball more than 10 yards, hitting Bark and Michelle for a 65-yard strike, and we've got a game. Kelly is picked again, then Mayer hits Luther Hakanovanu, and we are tied at 14. But Toronto responds to the field goal, and then Mayer drills Reggie Bagleton for 39-yard score. And where's this Stamps offense been all year? They have the lead. Less than a minute to go in the half. Can they take that lead to halftime? Nope. Kelly to DeMonte Coxey for 67 yards. But Calgary picks right back up with the chaos in the third. Mayer to Bagleton for a 47-yard score. 28-24 Stamps. But Toronto answers back with a 54-yard bomb to DeVaris Daniels, and they're back in front, 31-28. Still 9.30 to go in the third. Is this a race to 60? Now the defenses realize they're able to do things too. Calgary ties it up with a field goal late in the third as the teams trade punts before Toronto finally breaks through. Not an offense. With eight minutes left in the fourth, it's special teams. The most dangerous man in the CFL, Javon Lee, gets the corner and bust free down the sideline. A game-breaking 86-yard touchdown off a punt 
return, and Calgary gets two more possessions. They do not get close to the end zone. The Argos ice the game 39-31 the final as Toronto improves to 8-1. The Stamps are now 3-8, but that was a promising performance. They, they look pretty good. Off to the West Coast now. Could BC keep pace with Winnipeg atop the West? Well, they're hosting Hamilton, and the Ticats just lost at home to the Elks, so I think this should be an easy one for the Lions, but uh, bad omen to start. They cannot get a yard on third down from the Hamilton 20 on their opening drive, and nobody scores in the first, but early in the second, the Tabbies finish off a lengthy drive with a James Butler touchdown run, getting it done against his former team, and then one of the league's most accurate kickers, Sean White, misses from 49, and Hamilton makes it 10-zip, and then BC hits a couple field goals, so we're into the third now, and Hamilton's in the lead. And they just got another touchdown? Really? Taylor Powell to, to Butler. Again, 12 yards to Pater at 17-6 Ticats. The James Butler revenge game? Thought the Lions were good. They can't do anything. And now to the fourth, still 17-6 when Javon Katoy fumbles in Hamilton territory. Tabby's recover leads to a field goal. Then Verdon Adams is picked. Leads to a field goal. 23-6. BC with a late touchdown to make it 23-13 with two minutes left. They need to recover the onside kick. Instead, it bounces right to Tim White in stride. Runs it back 47 yards to ice it. 30-13 is the final? Hamilton? I thought they sucked. BC? I thought they were good. This is a weird one. And finally, the question on everyone's mind. Could Edmonton finally win a home game? Coming off their first win of the season over the previously thought to be bad Tiger Cats, hosting a Red Blacks team that also isn't very good. Ottawa opens the scoring with a punt single. one nothing after one. Fun. But then there's Trey Ford. An elusive eight-yard touchdown run to get the Elks on the board. Now 10-4 Edmonton when Lewis Ward just biffs a 35-yard field goal. They get a single, but that's a bad miss. It looks like that might be the score going into half. But Ford puts one up for Eugene Lewis. He snags it. He sheds his defender and walks in for a 66-yard score. It's 17-5 Edmonton at the half. Could this finally be the night? First play of the second half, Ford hits former Manitoba Bison Gavin Cobb for 68 yards, sets up the one-yard backup quarterback touchdown plan from the well-compensated Taylor Cornelius. It's 24-5. It's happening. Oh, my gosh. It's happening. In the fourth, Ottawa finally gets into the end zone, but they fail on the two-point convert, so they're down by 13. Is there a big comeback coming to shatter the Elks' hearts? Nope. Ottawa gets a TD from Tyrell Pigram to make it 30-20 to with 70 seconds left, but they miss the two-point try again, and then they don't get the onside kick, and that's all she wrote. The Elks, at long last, have won a home game. The 22-game losing streak is over. Chris Jones gets a Gatorade shower. Congrats, you're still 2-9, and, and that's 12 weeks of CFL action in the books. And in case you were wondering what it sounded like when the Elks finally crossed the finish line, this is how Morley Scott called it, the final play on our sister station, 630 Ched. I don't like the days count, over a thousand days, whatever that was. But here it is, since October 12, 2019, when the Elks last won a football game, they've endured one worldwide pandemic, two names, three presidents, two general managers, four coaches, and a lot of frustration. And it's finally going to come to an end tonight. Home losing streak. See yourself out. The fans are on their feet. The score clock reads zero. I got good news and I got bad news. The good news is the losing streak at home is over. The bad news, next week you got to pay for your tickets. Yes, because that's what uh, one of the promotions they were doing and they finally do it 
Good for them. We'll talk to Dave Campbell about it later on in the show. A couple more things before we uh, move along. Of course, the Labor Day weekend means rivalry games and also BC at Montreal, which begins the week Saturday. Winnipeg, Saskatchewan, Sunday at 6. Our pregame show begins at 4. Then Monday, you've got the all-Ontario battle of Toronto at Hamilton. The Ticats suddenly 4-6. and six. Okay. And then Edmonton at Calgary, 2-9 and nine at 3-8. and eight. Yes, Edmonton with the third straight win would pass Calgary in the standings and put them in last, which seems unlikely, but you never know. And some news out of the NFL that Canadian football fans would be keen in knowing, and that's Nathan Rourke. What's going on with him? This week, NFL teams have to make their final roster decisions, and he's been waived by the Jacksonville Jaguars. He had a really nice preseason, uh, completed 66% of his passes, didn't throw a pick, went viral in his NFL preseason debut, with an incredible, elusive, in-the-pocket escape and then throwing a touchdown dart when he was held onto by a lineman. Now, waived does not mean cut. He It was always made clear that Rourke was not really in competition for the backup job. It was Trevor Lawrence, then it was C.J. Beathard, and that that was it, really. NFL rules adopted this offseason. They allow teams to carry three quarterbacks on the 53-man roster and so they can activate the third on game day. It's like an e-bug emergency backup goalie. Now you have like an emergency third string quarterback without using an active roster spot. So the goal is to put him on the practice roster if he clears waivers, which he may not. He's got a lot of talent, but we'll see what happens there. Now I want to talk to the city of Edmonton because it finally happened. The Elks have won a home game. 22-game losing streak is done at Commonwealth. They are running out of teams to compare that futility to on the broadcast last night. They had to dig into the Aussie rules football ranks to show how rare a run of bad play this length has been in sports. But they did it. Their first home win since October 12, 2019. And that was two days after... The University of Waterloo's Trey Ford threw for 351 yards and two touchdowns, ran for three more on 135 yards rushing in a 53-50 triple overtime loss to Laurier. That's what Trey was up to four years ago. To find out how the party is going in Edmonton after such a momentous occasion, we turn to Elks analyst on 630 Chad Dave Campbell. Dave, how excited are you that we don't have to talk about the losing streak anymore? That's the best part about this whole thing, probably, is we don't have to reference a home losing streak anymore. And, uh, you know, I think from a Elks perspective, hopefully this is the start of something, uh, you know, a good for, for the Elks. It's also their second straight win. They haven't done that in a couple of years. But, yeah, um, it was just pure joy at Commonwealth Stadium last night, and it was just so good to see. The fans have suffered for, you know, long enough, let's just say, and it was good to see the – that the players and the coaches uh, finally be able to celebrate on home field. Almost four full years. And of course, during one of those years, there was no football in 2020, but nonetheless, it's still staggering to look back and think 22 straight home games. That That's a record that would probably won't be broken. Yeah, probably not. Sadly, uh, <laughs> but it was, yeah, it's been tough. I mean, I, you know, I remember that, you know, the 21 year, when we had just the seven home games, of course, just 14 games because of the, you know, the COVID shortened season, you know, they had chances to win games in that season and then they couldn't do it. And then, you know, 22, they had chances and they've had a couple chances this year. And, you know, home games almost became a, a kind of a source of dread, I think for people that, you know, went to the, went to the games and, 
you know, even someone like myself who, you know, driving over, you go, what are we going to get today? Right. And, you know, it just, it, it kind of felt different yesterday, but you didn't want to fall into all of that uh, feeling and you kind of wanted to stay even and you didn't want to get too high or get too low. And, but uh, yeah, it's a, it's a record that is dubious. It's a record that probably won't be broken, unfortunately, but uh, hopefully it's a, it's a record for anyone. They will never get close to ever again. I think if you wanted to poo-poo the fun, you could point out that, oh, now they're 2-9, and nine, and, and does Chris Jones really deserve a Gatorade shower for finally winning a home game after, what, four years? But at the same time, as you mentioned, there must have been just a massive sense of relief in that building, not just the fans, but the players too. I think relief is, is probably the best word to describe it. I think that's the primary feeling and emotion. I would say joy would be next, and, you know, Hope, hopefully, has been instilled back into the team a little bit. I don't want to get too far ahead of, you know, myself here. Uh, I'm happy for the for the wins and the and a two game win streak and breaking a home losing streak. That was huge. But you know, hopefully, this is the beginning of something more. And uh, you know, I, I sound hokey when I say this, but honestly, the the it was the most joy I felt in that stadium since the the team won the 2015 West Final against the, the Calgary Stampeders to go to the Grey Cup, which is, you know, Edmonton won. And that might sound a little hokey to some people, but it's one of those, Christian, those lines where you, or those circumstances, if, you know, that, that old line, if you know what you know, right? And it's been very painful here um, over the last, uh, you know, couple of seasons or so. Um, it's, you know, this team has been looked upon as a laughing stock of the CFL, other fan bases have made fun of it. They've made fun of regimes. They've made, you know, they, they've made, you know, jokes about Chris Jones and has spoke ill towards him. And some of it he deserves, and some of it he he doesn't. And we know we've been, you know, dealing with the last couple of weeks. Two weeks ago, Victor Kui was let go as president and CEO, and um, you know, since then they've won twice. And I don't think that has a direct correlation, but you know, the the team needed something to be happy about that. Well, when I saw the Gatorade shower, I'm going, well, that's a little much, but at the same time, it's 22 straight losses at home. So I think you can give the Elks a little bit of chance to be, you know, a little bit, uh, uh, outward and maybe overboard with the, with the emotion and the elation. Um, because it has been a really, really tough time here in Edmonton, as far as, you know, going to Commonwealth and looking at it and wanting to see a win. And finally it happened. And they finally get it done against two bad teams, right? They beat Hamilton last week and they beat Ottawa this week. But at the same time, you get, you know, you beat the teams that are in front of you. And Trey Ford now, two straight wins for him. His, you know, he didn't throw much yesterday and just 18 pass yeah. attempts, but he completed 15 for 317 yards, also had 7.4 yards per carry. Should we look back with hindsight and say, why didn't he play earlier in the season? And that's a complicated question to answer because I think it has several answers to it so you know i think chris jones can be uh can be guilty of loyalty and loyalty is good and i know he and stephen mcadoo are almost best friends but at the same time i think this move should have been made earlier in the season perhaps now it's tough to make this type of move earlier in the season uh you know they had a few short weeks i mean they played three games in 12 days they played the first five games in 25 days so it's hard to do it's just unfortunate the way it the way it worked out in the first nine games, but 
you know, I think the loyalty to McAdoo is something that has been that has played Chris Jones at times over his coaching career, especially the last season and a half, and especially the last nine games, or the first nine games rather, or eight games, I guess. Um, you know, uh, you look at the contract that was signed to Cornelius almost a year ago. He got starter money. He got guaranteed money in 2024. Um, so I think there was that sort of justification too to start Cornelius uh, because you're giving him that, giving him that money. You know, I think another reason too is Trey Ford did not have a good training camp. You know, so he had to kind of work his way back, and it's hard to do that. Uh, you know, when you're only getting practice time to, to really show what you can do. But I think you got to give credit. You know, give credit to Chris Jones for finally realizing that he's got to make a move. But since installing Jarius Jackson, I think that's that's who you really got to look at because I think he's the one that pushed for a change of quarterback, even though he does think highly of Taylor Cornelius, but he knew you know, something had to change. They can't keep going back to the same well because it's not working. And at the time of his um, the promotion, you know, Jackson said, it'll be Trey Ford and Jarrett Daigie fighting out for number one. Well, right now it's Trey Ford. And I think he is, you know, instilled bit by bit, you know, plays and has, has given the license for Trey Ford to be Trey Ford and not restrict him too much. And if you, you know, want to get a first down with your legs, go for it. But if you notice how Trey Ford is playing, and I remember you and I talked after the, the Winnipeg game, and, you know, I think, I think the general sense is, well, what was different, you know? And, and I think legit, totally, because especially in the second half, didn't look like it was any different at all. But then in Hamilton, we saw a little bit more out of Trey Ford, his fact, the fact that he was able to move the offense. Um, and, you know, he got, you know, if, he, if he, two receivers didn't drop footballs, he would have been over 250 yards in that game. What I like about Trey Ford the last couple of games is the fact that he's looking to throw first, and when he has to scramble, he keeps the eyes downfield. And boy, is he a threat to run. I mean, for someone to be uh, accounting for almost 400 yards of the team's offense is pretty impressive. It, you know, he is eye-popping. He seems to have that it factor so far. And I think from an Elks perspective, but also a CFL perspective, boy, this, this kid just breeds excitement. He just brings it out, and I think he is must-watch TV and uh, it makes Labor Day very interesting now. The Labor Day series with the Stampede starting uh, a week from today in Calgary. And before we get to that, just one more note on Ford because watching Cornelius week after week just had to be so frustrating and, and the inaccuracy of it. And he's a guy that could run too, but the deep shots that Ford is making, it's just adding an element of dynamism and excitement that I think has been missing from this team for the last few years. Yeah, it is. And you know, I said to people, if if Trey Ford had Stephen McAdoo as his offensive coordinator, you wouldn't see this as much. You would you would see the you know, the, the RPO game. You'd probably see Ford run a little bit more. But as far as taking the occasional shot downfield, I don't think you would have seen that as much. I think you would have seen what we're seeing now, or what we saw in the first eight games uh, with Cornelius and and one game with Jared Daigie quarterback. So I, I I do agree with you that uh, they're not taking. You know, you can't take your shots all the time, but they're taking more of them. And when they do take them, for the, for the most part, uh, Trey Ford is throwing the ball with accuracy. And, I mean, that Gina Lewis touchdown, that was just a smart play to recognize, hey, eight sevens on the sideline, and 
you know, Lewis is smart enough to come back to the football and he shook off Sherrod Baltimore and he's, he's in for a touchdown, but the, the Gavin Cobb play, you know, early in the third quarter, uh, that set up the Cornelius touchdown and that, that made it 24 five. And that was a real big moment in the game for the Elks to extend that lead. And that's probably the reason why they were able to cruise to the win. Um, and another thing too, is the third quarter, they finally solved the third quarter, which has been their worst quarter all season long. And they find a way to score 10 big points in that quarter and really can uh, take control of the game. So you mentioned Labor Day. Now they go to Calgary and if they win this game, they're no longer last in the West, which seems incredible. Just looking back a couple of weeks ago. Now, Calgary looked like better than they have all season in losing to Toronto, but their offense finally opened up. So I'm, I'm going to yeah. guess Calgary wins that game, but at least now there's, there's hope that you won't be just rolled over on Monday. Well, I, I you know, I think there's uh, I think both teams look at each other and, and feel that they have a chance to win, you know, and I think the Elks come in, um, and they have the they have the Stampeders attention for sure. But I do also think the Stampeders have the Elks attention. So that was very impressive from Jake Mayer. He played really well in that game and they finally, you know, got a good game out of him. Um, so it's an intriguing quarterback matchup, you know, two different styles, you know, Mayer's the drop back quarterback and Ford is the is the is Ford is Ford. He's just, you know, he's he's the dual threat and he's pretty magical when he gets going. So you know, and for the Elks, I, I I labeled the game against Ottawa. It's an opportunity to give yourself another opportunity. And I still think the same thing applies on Monday. It's an opportunity to give yourself another opportunity. You win, you're at three wins, you overtake Calgary, um, you get a little closer to the crossover. If you get some help from the Bombers, you get a little closer to the Riders, and then who knows, right? But uh, I think it's important for this club just to keep uh, improving incrementally and instilling that, that the, the culture they want on the field. And, and, you know, they have it off the field. They have it in the room. It's a good group. It's a good room. But as far as how you play on the field, I think we're starting to see the, okay, this, this looks and feels like a Chris Jones coach team. And we've been waiting a long time for it to feel this way. And for the better part of three games, for the you know, especially the last two games, we have felt that way. So, uh, so we'll see. I mean, um, I think it's a pick in next week. I, I don't think you can, you know, I don't think you're wrong to pick either way. But it's going to be highly interesting now going into Labor Day, and I think you know, hey, Trey Ford has been a big factor as to why this, this game is a lot more intriguing than it, than maybe it was uh, even a week ago. And again, now you don't have to talk about 22 anymore. Thank goodness. (laughs) A weight off your back. Dave, appreciate your time. Thanks for this, and uh, have fun at Labor Day. Anytime, buddy. Thanks, Christian. Well, thank you very much for listening to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. If you like what you heard, guess what? You can hear more every weeknight on CJOB from 6.30 to 9 p.m. Thanks again for tuning in. Subscribe if you'd like. We're available on iTunes and other places I'd imagine. So farewell until we meet again. Come on and thanks for all the fish. So sad that it should come to this. We try to warn you of the deal. You may not share our intellect, which might explain your disrespect for all the natural.